0: when we were a much smaller team and a much smaller organization, you take something like win rate. And when there were really only three or four sellers, you could kind of just quickly pull the whole sales team by saying, hey, how often do we win? Um, That's obviously a much different thing to measure and calculate um, with objectivity when it's a, a sales org,
1: even 10 times that size. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in Pursuit of Unicorns. I'm David Carnes.
2: And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar.
1: This show is brought to you by OpFocus, on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road.
2: Our newest bandmate on the RevOps Rockstar Tour today is a strategic B2B revenue leader. He's an effective problem solver, talented writer and public speaker, and an expert at forging C-level relationships. He has a proven ability to lead teams that create, implement, and optimize strategies that drive business. We've got the VP of Revenue at VibMob, Will Post. Welcome to the show, Will.
1: Thank you. It's good to be with you both. So, so Will, one thing that I noticed right away in your background is it seems like you've been on both sides of the fence on the revenue generation side and, and spent time on the RevOps side. I'm really curious from your perspective, like what's something that you had to learn the hard way?
0: Yeah. Well, so I've definitely spent I've spent more of my time on the revenue generation side, but working really closely um, in in past roles and past lives. Um, at companies that were a little bit larger than VidMob, where I am now. Uh, One of the things I've certainly learned the hard way over this past year, I think our our whole company has learned this, is that this is a function. RevOps is a function that uh, needs dedicated focus. It is not a side project or part of someone else's job. It is a job to be done uh, itself with a dedicated leader and, and sufficient resources to get that job done.
1: I think over the years, we've seen quite a few companies where we walk in the door, there's one person as part of that. And then within a few years, like really to, in order to scale those teams grow to 10, 20. And I wonder if you've got that in VidMob's future. Yeah, I think, um, I think we're in many ways kind
0: of in the midst of that transformation. So there's a, a handful of people who've been looking after Um, different parts of the ops function, either within, uh, whether it's called this or not, sales ops within our customer success team, looking after operations within marketing ops. And so I think where we are today is um, beginning to centralize that first and foremost, making it kind of just function uh, through alliance of the willing. Um, But I think more and more now with a a dedicated VP of RevOps who stepped in to to really um, continue the work and and standing that function up. I, I think it'll it'll begin to work more and more as a, a centralized
1: team. Your current title is VP of Revenue, uh, which I think is great. Uh, you've had the uh, VP of Revenue Strategy and Operations uh, title. Um, must be a really interesting think, thing to make that shift. And I'm I'm curious. Um, uh, Were were you very conscious about letting go specific functions uh, to make that shift? Um, Tried to be. Certainly tried to be. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of background
0: as to how I ended up in this role. Um, I've been with the company for about a year and a half. I'd been exposed to the company. I was actually a customer of Vidmobs for um, a lot longer than
1: a year and a half. I love that story, by the way. I love that. I just love when customers join uh join a company and they just you just know you know the value it's
0: uh yeah it's definitely um it's the first time really i've been in that position to have gotten to know the team here the product the tech from the from the customer side which is a a big part of what brought me over here um and i've i've worn you know a few different hats in what feels like a relatively short period of time um Uh, But one of them pretty quickly became to stand up uh, revenue strategy and operations, like you said, um, earlier in the course this year, and then um, not too long after uh, moved into lead our sales team. Um, And so uh, a big part of, you know, like I said, trying to wear both of those and trying to do both of those really um, put me in a position to say, hey, we need this to be a a dedicated function that we need to lean into. And so fortunately, we brought someone over to stand that up and continue that work just within the past month.
1: So during the stint in RevOps, how did you measure success in that role?
0: So first and foremost, a lot of the work to be done was on the infrastructure side. I mean, really putting in place, bear in mind, our company has grown like a lot of companies have just in terms of employee size over the past Couple of years, but especially within a, a, a distinct twelve-month period of time, the company went from you know about 150 people to over 300. That's uh, awesome. and, a, okay. and a lot of that growth was on the sales side. So we we really doubled down uh, within our whole go-to-market team, but especially the number of sellers. And so infrastructure became really important. I mean, having uh, having all the mechanisms to measure what's effective, um, what are we seeing today, and so based on any changes we make. What kind of improvements, hopefully, do we see over a relatively short-term period of time? Um, and then also leading and in, leaning into some of the ancillary functions um, that need to support a sales team as it grows. So bringing in someone uh, to lean learn to uh, uh, to lead learning and enablement was a, a big investment that we made early in the year. And so that was, like I said, infrastructure seemed to be a lot of what I was focused on immediately when I stepped into the role.
1: And with all that growth, so I just pulled up on LinkedIn, on the insights, you can see 100% growth over the last two years. That's incredible. Congratulations. What a thrill that must be. Um, what What's something that you wish you had done RevOps wise sooner, perhaps to support that growth? Um, I think uh, we could have moved or I
0: could have moved more quickly to do some of that centralization that I was talking about. So um, like I referenced, we've added to the team Putting somebody in our customer success team to look after operations was a, a relatively uh, recent change that we've made, uh, which has been a great addition. So I think I would have been more front footed to advocate, hey, this needs to work as a centralized team with some some structure and process around it, as opposed to just hoping that we all function that way. Um, that's definitely something that I'm I'm glad to see us making that change now.
1: Well, I think I love hearing it. I think there are a few things as we work with our clients. A few things we see that we wish that they would do sooner um, investing in the RevOps function, ensuring that there's a solid foundation for the tech stack and for the processes that layer on top of it, uh, investing in in a proper BI tool. I mean, There's a number of these things and you went through so much growth so quickly. I guess you can only you can only do so many things.
0: Yeah. And I I certainly, I spent the first um, good bit of time in the role really, you know, acknowledging, I don't know what I don't know yet. So I was fortunate, I think, and and still am fortunate to have uh, a lot of access to not only through my network, but through the broader network um, collectively of this company of folks who knew um, where I would want to get curious, where I would want to get some outside expertise, um, bringing in things like, uh, we work with a, an external team of salesforce consultants who've been who've been really helpful and that's where i spent a lot of my early time um, and so i i think a big part of it was just finding out okay as i'm sort of feeling through the dark of figuring out what we're going to need to solve um learning quite a bit about what i don't know um to then figure out who we need to who we need to consult with and and bring in to provide some of that expertise
2: eat me a picture of your RevOps function. I know you're touching on some of the different things it encompasses already, but um, with an outside team, with an internal team, you probably got folks wearing multiple hats for different functions. Um, Currently, you're a Series D company with about 400 employees. What does it look like today and where do you see it evolving into?
0: Yeah. A a lot of, so when I talk about, you know, laying the groundwork or putting infrastructure in, price, in place, a lot of it has been about identifying processes that are, I'll say, um, right-sized or, or kind of structured enough for the size and stage of company we are. So there's plenty of things that we're going to continue to figure out about our go-to-market. Um, and so putting process in place that's easy enough for sellers to embrace and get their get their arms around and really go to market in a certain way but not so structured or rigid that when we inevitably change it or retool it a little bit in 6 months we don't have to do a whole bunch of rewiring to unlearn things that we've just trained on or just put into place um so I'll give an example of you know the first several months in the role um uh you know I spent initially just advocating for bringing a sales methodology into our team um and there was a little bit of, of education to do even in in making sure everybody meant the same thing by what is a sales methodology and why do we need one. Um, but then figuring out, you know, exactly how fleshed out that needs to be before we're ready to begin operating that way and and uh finding the right amount of learning as we go with it in the market versus trying to get it perfectly dialed in and, and only shipping it once we had it to that stage.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that a company in its growth trajectory, when it's growing so quickly, people tend to be on different pages. And some people come in from very mature organizations. Some people have grown up with the business and you've got to really get everyone aligned in order to determine what the priorities are for leveling up revenue teams.
0: Different stages, different backgrounds. That's definitely been something that um, we've we've felt within the company. and, And also to the point of different backgrounds, just um, you know different industries and we have a lot of sellers who historically have maybe lived on the media side of advertising as opposed to the software side um and so there's uh there's been some some learning gaps and some uh some things that we've needed to address and make sure that um what means one thing in a different part of the business uh that we're all we're all speaking the same language now that we're here
2: Earlier, you mentioned uh, leveraging external Salesforce consultants and also working closely with them. Can you help me understand what types of work you determine to be good for in-house versus what you might outsource or even offshore?
0: Yeah. So on the development side, we have a a handful of um, kind of self-taught, self-trained, self-appointed Salesforce admins. Uh, at one point, we were learning that we had way too many people with admin rights within Salesforce for the size of company we are, which i, I I've come to learn is is not a totally unique challenge. Um And so uh, putting some organization and and kind of controls around that, really appointing people, hey, um this is who's gonna gonna be able to uh, do any kind of internal changes um to how how we have Salesforce set up. The development side is really where we needed some outside expertise um, to help us out and make sure we weren't uh over baking the cake um in, in anything that we set up. Um, and then one of the one of the big undertakings was putting a proper uh support system, support ticketing system in for anything. Um, because we have a global sales team. So uh where a lot of any help that was needed was being communicated in a multitude of ways. Slack, text, email, um, walking down the hall uh, in some parts of the world. Um, that really needed to be centralized. And so putting putting that structure in place, but then appointing the folks who are in a position to triage anything and, and resolve any issues that might come up, that's all handled internally. So does that give you an example of kind of how we how we've drawn the
1: lines? And it and it's so important what you're sharing. You, you made an acquisition last year. You have to go through the acquisition integration, taking the big round of funding. Often, more acquisitions could you know could be in, in the works, and just getting that communication platform down. You mentioned essentially like a glossary of terms, making sure people are are using the same language and then communicating in similar ways. I think we've we've struggled with it a little bit, or at least I have, Jaron. You, you're already a Slack uh, ambassador. Uh, for me, it's like, wait a minute, I have messaging here, messaging here, messaging here. And then we're trying to remember where, which, which device did they send me that or which platform did they send me that on?
0: Yeah, we, we definitely experienced that. We also um, sometimes to make this more interesting, there is a a certain types of communication that takes place on our own platform, what we're out in the market selling um, because a, a, a fair amount of our team, spends time on our platform. And so that's also another mode of communication sometimes that we got to control for. Um, But I think just to go back to the question, one thing that really um, has been a big area of my focus, not only in the early parts of this role, but continues to be, is identifying what are the things we need to be measuring. Um, And so that was less of a challenge when we were a much smaller team and a much smaller organization. You take something like win rate. And when there were really only three or four sellers, you could kind of just quickly pull the whole sales team by saying, Hey, how often do we win? Um that's obviously a much different thing to measure and calculate um with objectivity when it's a, a sales org even 10 times that size.
2: And I know uh previously you've mentioned how you know as the sales team grows, there's a real maturity that's required not only in terms of the sales ops analysis, but also forecasting, right? Being able to elevate and trust what the team is doing, but also be able to report that with confidence to many more stakeholders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is um, probably one of the most important things Uh, that we've had to embrace. uh, I think a lot of companies have over the past six months um, for a variety of reasons. Like you said, we have new stakeholders uh, who definitely have a vested interest in how the business is performing, how the business is likely to perform in the near term. Um, I think the whole attitude around growth versus predictability in the business has shifted a little bit, uh, not just for our company, but for every company. Um, and then uh, again, going back to the size at which we've we've grown, to have our arms around um, that predictability is is less of an exercise that we can do uh, subjectively or or just by kind of uh, pulsing the organization. But we really need to have some of those mechanisms in place to understand what's going to happen over the the week, the month, the quarter, you name it.
2: Back in August, um, you closed or the company closed a one hundred and ten million Series D and I would expect that as a revops and revenue strategy leader then you were heavily involved in helping prepare all sorts of due diligence and documents and you know reports that the investors needed can you talk a little bit about owning cross functional kind of corporate level initiatives like that and and how you helped support a funding round
0: yeah sure i I will uh, share that I probably benefited from being relatively new in the seat, and there were a lot of folks who had worn these hats and continue to work on this side of the business who um, had to do a lot more of the heavy lifting of speaking to the historical side of the business. Um, so I, I want to make sure I'm not taking credit for the, the, the sleep that they lost a little bit more than any sleep that I lost. Um, and that was kind of right around the time that i was stepping in uh, to lead the sales team so I was more involved talking about what we were going to be doing versus historical performance um but honestly we have found um through that whole process um uh, through the due diligence process and also through the through the months since we um have have forged the partnership with our new investors um a true partnership uh that's definitely something that this is the first time that i've uh, directly been able to to get exposed and work this closely with investors as partners on the business, um, and it's been absolutely outstanding for them to be one of those external resources that I spoke to um, a moment ago, uh, who've been able to kind of help us very quickly think about the things we might not be thinking about, you know, know what we don't know yet, um, and ask the right questions, um, identifying you know what are the things that we're going to be that we're going to want to be able to measure not just next quarter, but next year. Uh, And that's helped us get, um, uh, kind of embrace the maturity that you spoke to a minute ago in the organization.
1: I'm so happy to hear that. Um, uh, These rounds of funding can be very intense. And many of these organizations have centers of excellence with lots of resources. So within our roundtables, we actually talk about it a lot. You know whether they're summits, whether they're monthly webinars, just any any opportunity to just interact with each other, but then they're also sharing best practices. So I'm really glad to hear that you've found that as a resource and and that they're uh, active in that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Um, how about um resources outside of the investor? Have there been some that have been meaningful in your journey? Yeah, most definitely.
0: So we have, um, I would, uh, what I consider to be a, a, a really healthy um, advisor community to the company. Um, we also, because this gets a little bit into the nature of our business, but because some of our long, longest-standing partners are both customers and um, platforms with whom we have API integrations. So companies like Meta, like Snap, like TikTok, like Amazon. Um, and so that affords us um a good bit of direct exposure to revenue leaders, go to market leaders, uh, leaders across um across those companies um that definitely have some of that maturity already built into their organizations. um I'm a little biased because I come from one of those companies, and that's where I got to know vidmob initially. um yeah, but but i I feel like i've um I've kind of been uh, pleasantly surprised, I suppose, or, or certainly impressed by the degree to which we're able to, to tap into experts across the industry from, from early stage and really mature companies.
1: Okay. So we can't have a RevOps conversation, especially for given what we do, without talking a little bit about the tech stack. Okay. And I'm curious, uh, especially with the growth that you've gone through, like, is there a particular tech stack tool that you just can't live without?
0: Well so the the majority of uh where I've put focus and time and energy is within Salesforce and really beefing up our Salesforce infrastructure and making that truly the the hub of all customer interactions um single source of truth what I imagine anybody who's stepping into to lead this work would would probably be tasked with for a company of our stage and how we've grown um but the the piece of our tech stack that I am most obsessed with uh is gong which is something that we brought in uh around the midpoint in the year um so just about six months ago um they the team over there knows this they they know that i'm a a a raving fan um just like they want me to be and uh it's become a little bit of a meme we want all of our customers to be as obsessed with our software as i am with gong uh, is something that gets said pretty often.
1: Well, especially given what you shared of, uh, so we talked about earlier, 100. I think it was 104% growth over the last two years, and you said most of that is are sales folks. So, how do you ramp them up? How do you get them to speak the language that you want them to speak? How do you oversee what they're talking about? You've got we've got tools now. So Gong is absolutely such a great choice. I'm really glad to hear that that's worked out well for you. Yeah, it's been um,
0: really, really helpful for us as a company, certainly for me to create kind of the feedback loops that you need, especially with a, a sales org, many of whom um, haven't spent the majority of their time, if any time, in a in a office surrounded by folks that have maybe been with the company longer. Um, we're, we're continuing to function in pretty much a hybrid environment. We're seeing more and more folks want to be in the office, which is great, but we continue to have folks everywhere. Clearly, today, I'm not in an office. Um, the other thing that is is related to that um, that specific tool that's really important. It's something that's a huge passion point of mine. Is the investment we've made on the learning and enablement side of this work. Um, so I'm I'm happy to speak more to that. But that was that was one of the initial investments that I really advocated for and was excited to bring on board.
1: Yeah. And you think of the old way, you know, you bring on somebody who knows a bit about your business or maybe they're transitioning out of sales and have them pull people together and train and train and train. But this allows in so many ways a richer uh, experience and hopefully a faster onboarding.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, was fortunate enough to work really closely with a former seller uh, who who had made the shift on in a, a, a few years ago, she had made the shift over to learning and development and enablement, and she was always a, a key partner of mine in a past job. Um, and so, knew there would be an opportunity that she might be interested in coming over here and standing that function up. And it's been one of the one of the uh, largest like value creations that we've brought into the organization. It's it's helped really build some confidence into our wholesale team.
1: Uh, we we also can't uh, get get out of the tech topic without talking a little bit about analytics. I'm curious, where do you go for your at-a-glance view of what's going on within your organization? What's going on on
0: the business Salesforce is, I would say, um, you know, increasingly become more of the go-to destination where we're housing you know, all revenue-oriented conversations that we're having, whether it's um, on the forecasting side, whether it's understanding what's coming in now versus later, but also on the delivery side of our business, that there's been a lot of work that I can take no credit for on that side of the house. That's really helped to make all of that live within Salesforce. So increasingly where we were running a lot of revenue-oriented conversations out of Google Docs and out of Slides, it's now we're just doing it directly out of the tool, which has been a, a big a big change for the better for our organization.
1: Yeah. All right. La- last question in this segment of, of the podcast. Um, uh, you are growing a sales organization. Um, uh, you, you've talked about RevOps as being something that has to be its own separate function and is absolutely necessary to support that. Is there anything within RevOps that is exciting you about, you know, essentially the future of RevOps? Is there anything to support your organization, your mission, what you're tasked with doing? Is there anything within RevOps that you see that's, uh, you know, potentially supportive, supportive of that?
0: Yeah. So, um, I think the more that I learn about the options that are out in the market to bring into your tech stack, um, really, as I've learned and continue to learn about the whole revenue intelligence space, um, that's really interesting to me because in many ways, there's a parallel there um, in what those tools can be for revenue leaders. We are in many ways that same kind of a tool for marketers because marketing or creative intelligence is what we're out in market with. And so the more I come to learn about those tools, um, it interests me not only as a revenue leader, because I I, I need access to to some of that intelligence that um, that tools are great at, at bringing top of mind, but it also, it sparks a lot of thoughts for me about our positioning and our whole go-to-market, some of our sales motions. Um, by going through the the buying process uh, of those tools, it, it, it's definitely, um, it, 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 piques my interest for
1: for a multitude of reasons. I love hearing about the parallels. That's so great.
2: Yeah. You've shared a pretty interesting growth stage, RevOps landscape at VidMob. And I'm very interested in digging a bit deeper into your journey, Will. You've got uh, an interesting path through a whole bunch of different companies. Um, you know, early on, I think you're, Again, one of the few folks here that actually um, got something related to the field. You got a BA from Penn State uh, in advertising and PR. You've previously been at Facebook slash Meta, WSJ, Ogilvim. You've got the strong advertising marketing background. Help me understand. How did you get to VidMob? How did you get into SaaS RevOps specifically? and equally importantly i want to know how you fired yourself from revops
0: yeah but that that last part was the easiest part i knew as soon as i stepped into the role um i'll be i'll be lucky if i hang on for dear life for uh for even a few months so um yeah i was um one of the few that i that i know who very early identified advertising as a space that i was totally fascinated by really interested in was lucky enough to be part of Uh, one of the largest programs at the time uh, with a, with a dedicated major in advertising. Um, And so very quickly after school knew, wanted to, knew that I wanted to go uh, onto the agency side and um, so moved to New York and started at Ogilvy uh, in a, in a program in kind of a rotational program that now is a lot more common to find where you get to try on a number of different disciplines over the course of a year and found a real home in the strategic planning side of the business. And so found that what i really loved about it was understanding the why behind why consumers do what they do why they uh you know establish connections with certain brands over others um, and why certain messaging resonates more deeply uh from from a from certain brands uh with certain audiences um and so definitely learned a lot in the course of that and then Right around the time that uh, the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones were being acquired by News Corp, there was also a lot interesting that was happening in the economy around 2008, obviously. Um, And so relatively organically made the move over to Wall Street Journal as it was really expanding into the uh, business to consumer side of advertising. It had predominantly always been a, a B2B marketing play and was standing up its presence within The automotive, the luxury, the travel, the consumer advertising spaces brought a lot of consumer friendly products to market like a magazine and like a weekend editorial section. So the reason that was interesting is it was before this kind of the first entrepreneurial environment that I was really in within a big company, because it was a relatively small team that was standing up some of those practices and and going after new segments of business within a really established brand, obviously. Um, got to do a number of different jobs, got to work both on the marketing side, the sales side, the product management side. Um, and then life brought me to Chicago from New York. Um, and so right around that time, uh, met a long time as someone who's become a long time colleague and mentor, um, and got to be part of Facebook right around the time that it was making the shift to mobile. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they're hard pressed to really think of Facebook before it was ever a mobile company. But believe it or not, there was a time where um, that was a very deliberate shift that they had to embrace and, and really kind of rewire the whole company. And so that's around the time that I came aboard. It was a much smaller company then that it is uh, today, obviously, um, and spent about eight years looking after the. Go-to-market team that works within the consumer package goods space. So got to work with some of the most, you know, iconic, uh, longstanding brands that you think of within the consumer goods space um, on really embracing a whole new kind of marketing, right? What was at the time a space or a surface they knew they needed to be on. They thought of Facebook as, you know, pure social media marketing. Um, But getting them to prioritize mobile and understand the role that mobile could play in really driving outcomes for their business was a big part of what made that job and that time there a total thrill. Um, And so, like I said, uh, as part of that work, a lot of times we would run into challenges with advertisers who would say, I know I need to be here. I know I need to embrace this new ad product or, you know. At the time in around 2016, nobody had video for this kind of orientation, vertical video. Um, And so that's actually how I came to discover VidMob, which was a um, uh, it's a company that's been around for about seven years and in the earliest stages was was there to remove that barrier for advertisers and say, hey, for um, in a very efficient uh, both from a time and and a cost standpoint, we can take any number of assets that you might have ready to run as your ad um, and make them fit for the platform where you need them to run. Places like Instagram stories or Snapchat, or a lot of the platforms that advertisers were just starting to embrace. Um, And so over the course of a a few years, I really got to know the team and the technology. And I've always been pretty obsessed with this intersection of creativity and technology. Um, I don't know that I always knew that was the through Lines seem to be in place to some degree through my career, but um, this has definitely been where it feels like those two things are, are coming together at a, a perfect moment because um, that's a big part of what we're entirely focused on here at Bitmap.
2: And how did you get roped into putting on the hat of both a revenue leader and a RevOps leader when you joined?
0: So I came aboard at an interesting time and was really here to sort of do what needs doing. So um, my first role here was more about standing up some of our—we um, don't call it channel sales, but it functions more like a channel sales team. Um, really, you know, advocating for no one from the company was deliberately coming to market to find me in my former role, and and I was saying. Hey, I'm I'm obsessed with your business and would love to throw a lot of business your way because you solve a huge problem for every advertiser that I'm working with. Um, and so that brought me in in into the company in a role that really needed some some structure, some a, a job description written for it, uh, and gave me quite a bit of room to kind of operate and learn the organization um, and figure out where the nearest term impact that I could drive was. And very quickly upon coming aboard, I recognized, wait, there's a lot of work to do in just standing up how our go-to-market and specifically how our sales team functions and operates, especially having been part of that uh, huge growth surge that um, we obviously had done a lot of hiring. And so um, that pretty quickly to our COO, uh, one of our co-founders and, and my boss um, was was the the pitch he needed to hear to say, okay, I think that is work that needs to be stood up. So why don't you lead it? Um, and then you know, I go into the the part that plenty of people go into, where it's like, wait, I don't know that I actually know what I'm doing. I just know someone who knows what they're doing needs to do this. Um, so uh, that was my focus in the immediate term, right around the start of this year, and we made a lot of strides. And I think that's part of what what sufficiently proved out the case that okay, this is a function we need to lean into. And so just recently. We've brought on someone, uh, our new VP of RevOps, who's been an incredible addition to the team and a real partner to me now that I'm leading the sales team.
2: Having the opportunity to write your own job description and also identify opportunities within the business. You're like, nobody's taking this on. And okay, I guess I'll take it on. I think that's so unique. And it's a privilege, I think, to be in a company growing like that and willing to embrace um, different ways of maturing the team. That's so cool.
0: Absolutely. Coming from, uh, you know, my experience at Facebook was wonderful. Uh, It obviously became a much larger company. And so understanding kind of the parameters of the job to be done and what you were tasked with um, was pretty, pretty well understood and well-defined. And so moving into almost the complete opposite where it was really driven out of, Focus on where you can have some impact for the business because there's no shortage of work that needs doing was uh, was a big part of what brought me here and and brought me to here at the time I came aboard. I was I was eager for that kind of experience.
2: I think you embody um, a great quality, which is even in an established business channeling your entrepreneurship skills, right? Seeing um, where can I make an effect? Where can I maximize my impact? I feel like that's one of those things that as RevOps leaders, we have to keep top of mind because we do touch so many parts of the business. What is the maximum impact we can bring to the business?
0: Absolutely. I think um, that's something that we we talk about a lot as a as a leadership team is really how we wake up the entrepreneur of everybody in the organization. and specifically on the the learning and enablement side, um, that's something that we try to make sure we're weaving into, okay, as we're training, we don't want to make the mistake of over engineering, the way to think as a seller or, um, you know, we want to make sure to create that space to, to kind of wake up the curiosity and and drive in everybody to, um, you know, not miss an opportunity where they can have that kind of impact.
2: If you could give advice to yourself on day one of your rev ops revenue strategy and operations role, what would you say to yourself?
0: I would have moved even faster to, uh, acknowledge come clean admit what i don't know um i'm, I'm clean
2: you say <laughs>
0: yeah 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 i mean i i i was uh you know pretty uh pretty vocal about you know hey there's going to be plenty of this that i'm going to have to find out as i go um and and certainly not shy about asking for help but i think um there were you know hindsight being 2020 there were definitely some things where um i was a little bit slower than I wish I had been to recognize, okay, wait, there are experts who know how to do this. I should just find them as quickly as I can and
1: and bring them into the conversation. And I think what's so exciting about what you're describing is um, inevitably in fast growth companies, in order to keep people for long periods of time, to have long tenures, their roles have to split. So they have to split and split and you might've done a three for one or a two for one in that, in that moment. And, you know, I think having that self-awareness uh, and um, also the passion about what you're most interested in. Uh, we're, we, we see that within, um, within the RevOps teams that we work with because they're growing so fast. You know, we're, we're engaging, you know, maybe a second round or a third round of in, in investment through to going public. And there's so many changes. These these RevOps teams grow so quickly. And I, want, I think there's a real nice lesson here of letting go pieces, you know, and whether it's enablement, whether it's customer success, that may not be your core passion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I tend to be pretty passionate about all of this. So letting go of it sometimes is a challenge because I'm really invested in it and really excited to see us growing into an organization that has some of these dedicated functions or has some of these specialists of of folks who've been through this before. Um, But I think embracing that level of specialization and, and kind of, it's great when people are wearing a bunch of different hats, but also letting some folks really mature into experts on a given subject matter or in a given field is a, is a great sign for a company. And it's, it's not about you know losing span of control or anything like that to me it's a it's a great growth signal that um that we're we're growing as a business
1: so hearing all these really interesting phases of your career i can only wonder you know what your bucket list career uh goal might be yeah uh, don't
0: i don't know don't ask me that right now to be honest i um i've been uh so Charged up and fired up. I really, honestly feel like so much of my past experience was training me for this job and this company, cool. um, which is is a, a a rare experience for me. I'm trying to savor it, and that's a that's a bit of a challenge for me because I'm a planner by nature. Um, but right now, I'm I'm really I'm thinking in six month increments of just uh, we have a lot of exciting work to do here as we're growing the business.
1: Yeah, good, good. That's so exciting to hear. Um, uh what you've described this growth phase both at, at Meta and then, you know, now of growing so quickly, like what what do you do to unwind from all this? How do you how do you release the pressure from uh intense growth experiences? Well, um I
0: have a a I have a wife who opened a business locally in our town the day after I started working here. So just as I was starting my, you know, mini entrepreneurial like uh, project by joining an early stage company, um, you know, she was pretty much like hold my tea and opened a yoga studio about a mile from our house. So I, I occasionally get to feel like her chief marketing officer. Most days I feel like her unpaid intern, which is a, the most most important job that I do. I'm, I'm proud to get to do that work but it's been very exciting to to get to kind of ride shotgun while she builds a a business here locally. Um, and then we have two young daughters, uh, almost 10 and almost 12. And so they are keeping us especially busy while we get used to, um, all the fun of, of early teenage year stuff that, uh, we can tell is, is entering
1: our house. Yeah. Those those are fun ages. I'm glad for you. A lot of fun. Really wonderful. Okay. Um, you've met a lot of people through the years, uh, it would be great for our listeners to hear, you know, who else uh, do you respect a lot in this RevOps community that you might think might be a good guest on, on the podcast? Maybe we can share in the show notes, uh, you know, their, their LinkedIn profiles. Absolutely.
0: Well, uh the first one who comes to mind, not just because of recency bias, but um I w- I would consider myself the opening act for the true RevOps rock star in our company. So Kevin Layton uh is who I referenced, just joined awesome. uh just yeah. joined us, and he's been such an incredible addition to the team. I would absolutely encourage you to talk to him. Um, I think I thank him on a daily basis for coming here. Um and then uh, definitely some folks who have worked within revOps uh, other revenue leadership roles, um, and kind of worn the the multiple hats. Um, uh, someone named Kevin Sales who actually uh, it's it's years since we worked together when we were both on the the advertising side or on the publishing side at Wall Street Journal. Um, but as I uh, got invested in this work, I definitely have gone back to, a number of people in my network who I've worked with in this capacity, who I know have led some of this work. Um, and I know he's doing some really interesting work right now. So I would encourage you. Um, and his last name is Sales. So how could you not love a revenue operations leader who who clearly um, uh, show, shows where their interests lie?
2: I love it. We'll make sure to um, grab those profiles, of both Kevin's and put them in the show notes so that folks can. There are talented people done. in
0: this field who don't who don't have the name Kevin. That just happens to be. I promise.
2: <laughs> As we wrap up our conversation here, you know, people probably are getting inspired by the entrepreneurship you've demonstrated, the opportunistic "let me go try and do this, let me follow um, where my interests lie" sort of approach. Where can people find more? About you or connect with you.
0: LinkedIn is um, increasingly, even just over the past several years, I think probably um, with more and more remote work. I know I've seen my usage of LinkedIn um, really increase, and I've I've seen the platform become more important for a lot of people. So that's one of the best places to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Um, I try to be pretty responsive and, and and pretty active on there. So that's where I would steer people.
2: Fantastic. And we've referenced VidMob many times. We've kind of alluded to what you do. Um, Tell us quickly, uh, what is VidMob's kind of core competencies and where can people find out more?
0: Yeah. So we are a technology company that right now serves the the advertising market. Um, And what we really focus on doing is we make advertisers, we make their ads or their creative work better. And so that's really powered by, I referenced all the API integrations that we have with companies like Meta, like Snap, like TikTok, like Amazon and Google, Um, really wherever an advertiser might be running creative across the whole mobile online space, um, we are able to identify what are the creative elements in those ads that are driving or hindering performance, and then tap into a whole network of um, creative practitioners who can, based on what those insights are, make sufficient changes to say, okay, it looks like this element is really driving performance. Let's lean into it. It looks like this element is leaving, you know, some value on the table. More people would view your ad to completion if you change this, and so make those changes. And so, um, it's really creative intelligence is is kind of the category that we we see as the one that we're very very quickly building and. It's exciting to see how receptive the whole market of enterprise advertisers are to to seeing creative as a real performance driver for making their ads work harder.
2: As a marketer, what you're saying gets me so excited because I'm always like, just tell me, how do I make this better? How do I make this more engaging? Sounds like the platform does exactly that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been very, very exciting to be here and, and excited to go into the new year with a lot more customers that we're working with.
1: So, Will, we've talked about quite a few things today. I'm so appreciative of having the chance to to have you on the podcast uh, to hear about that journey that you've gone through, not just uh, Wall Street Journal, not just Meta, uh, and this incredible growth right now, but specifically uh, passing through the RevOps function en route to VP of Revenue. Is so interesting and really valuable, and I, I'm glad to hear that you've got that tight relationship with Kevin, who's come on to lead lead your RevOps. Uh, but what a valuable uh, uh, conversation today! Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us and and uh, spending the time sharing your experiences with us today. Thank you both. Honestly, um, this is uh,
0: this has been a, a wonderful. Um, period of time for me. And I think it, it's definitely made me a more capable sales leader. I've had a, a, you know, a good number of years, uh, having led sales teams, but it's made me more of a partner to our overall business, um, to really appreciate the, what goes into the work to be able to understand how the operation needs to function. So I'm, I'm appreciative for the chance to talk about it.
2: And to our audience, you know, whether there be in transit RevOps folks or revenue leaders who are looking uh, to sell your executive team on the importance of RevOps, uh, please share the podcast with them, share Will's experience with them, uh, tell them about the episode, um, help help your team stand on Will's shoulders and the shoulders of other giants so that you don't have to uh, figure it out on your own. Uh, thank you again, Will. We're so glad to have you on the show. Thank you both. And this has been another exciting, unique a spectacular episode of RevOps Rockstars. We'll see you next time.
1: Stay classy rockstars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit revopsrockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit opfocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations.